this all. An evil spirit was assigned to Saul. He got an annoying instead of an anointing, didn't he? Well, we're going to stay on the track of hearing. We're still on this subject and emphasis of the importance of how we hear, what we hear, how we hear it, what we do with it. God did not design Christianity to be a spectator sport, a theater of just spectators. He created us to be every one of us participating in what God is doing. Say, I am a participator, a living cell in Christ's body. Hallelujah. You just washed yourself with the word. You just washed yourself with your own words. But open the Matthew uh, t- 25 with me. I want you to keep this. And this is all congruent with hearing and the hour we're in. In the past couple of weeks, we've been interacting with several, you know, by via phone, leaders and other ministers. And uh, mostly on the East Coast, but a few. I don't want to exaggerate, probably four, but just like hearing what God is saying. We, we love to have sounding boards. What's God saying to you? What do you hear God saying? And one thing that seems to be a very vivid, listen carefully, please. Take heed what you hear. Amen. Remember the words of Jesus? That's for you and I every time we hear anything. Take heed what we hear. Now, he, he's a loving God, but it's a, an authoritative prescription for our life. He doesn't force it on us, but he's all authority was given to Jesus Christ. Amen. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and he gives you and I authority. He shares with us his authority that he was given. Man, I'll tell you what, that's pretty awesome. But the interesting thing is, is that even though God calls us, you know, God calls every one of us to be fully mature. He calls us to be fully mature in the, in the knowledge of him. It's ever maturing. But you come to a place in your Christian growth where you begin to mature. And your character is maturing. The fruit of the Spirit's more evident. Hallelujah. Amen? The sins of the flesh are less interruptive. They'll still be there. Until we get out of this shell, temptation's always going to be here. We're going to have to deal with it. Amen? Thanks be unto God that when we blow it, we miss the mark, we sin. See, sin is a good word. I mean, sin's a word. Sin is a, an activity. Amen? Say sin is an activity. And the word sin is beginning to be obsolete from pulpits. Because we don't want to call sin, sin. Because we have to be politically correct now. 
where Pastor Carolyn, you know, she's been hitting this as well. We have, we want to be culturally relevant. I can't find that in the Bible. Now, Paul said this. Here's the, the one thing Paul did say. Paul said, I have become all things to all men that I may win some. Amen. He didn't go out, get tattoos and get pierced to go minister to the punkers and the tattooers. He didn't do that. Amen. You with me? Why? Because there's scripture or guidance that says, do not take, get tattoos on your body. Tattoos of the dead and tattoos of false gods. The Bible says it clearly. Amen. Or pierced. But if you already had that experience when you were in darkness, guess what? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. There is one gentleman. I remember Jeff Burke had talked this. Uh, he was in Alaska. And there was a man that had had a pentagram. He was in Satanism, had a big, huge pentagram tattooed on his chest. And he repented of his, of, you know, of his sin. There was a move of God and, and the, I think the gifts of the Spirit. He was in Jeff's meeting. And the Holy Ghost began to minister to him. And he was a witch. And Jeff began, the Holy Ghost through Jeff began to address his activity in Satanism. He Nobody could reveal this but the Holy Ghost. Amen. You with me? And he gave, he repented of it, renounced it, and gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. He came up in another meeting. Jeff was there for a few meetings, and he said, I gave my heart to Jesus. But he said, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, this billboard of that honors Satan. And Jeff said, Well, let's pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command this pentagram to be removed from his body. Before the week was over, it was gone. Hallelujah. 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 Say power. power. That's power. Amen. That's power. Hallelujah. And you and I have been given that same type of authority and power. And God wants you and I to take baby steps. Don't be, you know, Joyce Meyer says something. She says, hey, even she uses the word, if you're afraid, do it, do it if, even if you're afraid. Now, I would say this, do it even if you're reluctant. Because <laughs> God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But sometimes there are fears. Or, you mean there are fears, and we have to overcome them. So even if you're challenged or a phobos, a fear is trying to keep you from sharing the life and love of God, just in the name of Jesus, I'm going to do this thing, push through. Yeah. Take the baby step. Believe God. You're, God. you're God's assignment. You are God's, you are God's anointed to change the world. Now, I want to, uh, this is what I, I didn't finish my thought here with the different leaders. And this is why God has given it to me, and I want to communicate it to you because I believe it will be a good message in you and it will help guide you and I. There's two types of Christians in the earth right now, as far as I'm concerned. And they are the casual Christians and kingdom Christians. Say casual Christians and kingdom Christians. Now, I'll preface this this way. A casual Christian could be characterized as those who do their duty. Those who do their duty, you know, then go home and they live their lives according to what they deem is good for them. And 
they're not really looking for the bridegroom's coming. They're not in the posture of resolve that the king could come any moment. Will I be ready? If Jesus, excuse me, if Jesus comes today, will I be, would I be ready? Will I be ready? Huh? Anybody ever ask yourself that? Their mindsets, the mindset, rather, of a casual Christian. Now, this is Ray Shannon's opinion. Paul had this liberty in Scripture. He preached and wrote down what the Holy Spirit inspired him to pen. But there were a couple instances in the New Testament where he said, now, I, Paul, recommend this. He, he specified that this is my advice to you, church, as a father in the faith. Amen? He didn't say this is holy writ. This is my opinion based on my experiences and encounters with God. <laughs> so the mindset of a carnal Christian, or did I say carnal? <clears throat> a casual carnal Christian. Amen. We might as well add, put an adjective in there. A casual carnal Christian is this. Their mindset is primarily thinking about stewarding temporal things. The focus is on temporal things, earthly things, their needs, my needs. You know, all this stuff is on my, on my, on my plate. And it's all, it's me, me, me. You know, it's uh, my, uh, I'll go to church on Sunday. Um, uh, I don't have time to get in the word and, you know, all this stuff. Their mindsets are on temporal things, and usually, here's the deal. The temporal things are actually stewarding their life. They're not stewarding the things around them. The tail wags the dog. It's kind of, I mean, just try to get the imagery of that. I wish I could really get that. You could probably figure it out in some of this technology now. But wouldn't it be really weird to see a tail rigid and the dog going? <laughs> That's casual carnal Christianity. The tail's wagging the dog. We're out of order if we fall in that category. But it can be fixed. Say it can be fixed. Hallelujah. Well, how, what then's the other contrast? Kingdom Christianity. And, guys, I hear ministers saying about it, and I've been sharing my heart with them, just saying, you know, my, the Lord has my focus on this. And they said, that's it. God's showing us the same thing. There's, there's kingdom Christians and there's casual Christianity. And here's a kingdom Christian mindset. A kingdom Christian is looking for the bridegroom's coming. There's, a, there's a, an expectancy. Lord, I know we're in the, I know you're coming. I know we're in the last days and I expect and long for your coming. When's the last time? I mean, that's not an indictment, but we need to get that back in our heart and into our mouth, in our mouth and in our heart. Amen. Lord, I long for your coming. And I'll tell you what, maybe you haven't been saying it, but deep down inside your spirit, man, you really are longing for him. Amen. If you're blood-bought and spirit-filled, you especially, you and I need to have that kind of heart 
that kind of resolve, that kind of mindset. And that, that automatically, those type of people for, are put in a category from what Jesus said in Matthew 25, and it's the wise virgin category. Say wise virgin category. And we're going to go there in a minute. Secondly, kingdom Christians are passionate in worship, prayer, and the word. They prioritize worship. They prioritize prayer. They prioritize the word. That's what a kingdom Christian does. A kingdom Christian, like I said last week, it's time for you and I not to be afraid of the Garden of Gethsemane that we're supposed to enter in as our master did. Father, let not my will be done today, but your will be done today. How about that? Amen. Remember last week we talked about it too. Father, what are your needs? What are your needs today? As I steward the vocation you gave me, the family you've blessed me with, what are your needs today? Hallelujah. That's a good prayer. Thirdly, kingdom Christians are laborers and servants in the church and the harvest. Witnesses for the gospel. Kingdom Christian mindsets are primarily on stewarding eternal things and stewarding the temporal. Amen? You with me? Let's go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. And for your edification, Matthew 24, the entire chapter, is the, the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, revealing to us and to all humanity the things that would be happening and unfolding before his return. I kind of say it this way. It's God's newspaper. <laughs> it's God news. Amen. Then after he gives this marvelous chapter and revelation of the sequ- of events that will be occurring before he comes, there is something very, before we go to Matthew 25, look at Matthew 24. I'm going to go to Matthew 24 and start with verse 7. Josh, if you can put that up in the New King James. Josh, you 24 7. 24-7. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I love the word 24-7. I love to praise him 24-7. I love to worship him 24-7. I want to pray 24-7. Okay, let's look at it together. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. That has been happening since these words came out of his lips. But now it's exponential. Next verse, please, Josh. All these things, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Next verse. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Is that happening right now? It's happening all over the world. And as Carol had said and Jim Caviezel, when we met him some years ago, three, four years ago, whatever it was, 
Jim Caviezel, the first thing out of his mouth, uh, first thing out of my mouth was, as we shook hands, I said, thank you, Jim. I didn't say, oh, can I have your autograph? <laughs> thank you, Jim, for putting your career at risk to play the role of Jesus in the Passion. Thank you for the life you risked to take that place and play Jesus. He didn't say, you're welcome. He said, do you know that Christians are being persecuted all over the world? And Carol said, yeah, Jim, we do. He said, no. Do you know that Christians are being crucified, burnt? And he went on with all those different, and the list of things was happening with the persecuted church. And we said, yeah, we're aware of it. But could we ever imagine it? Could we ever really imagine? Do we think that in the United States it's not possible for you to be challenged on your faith? What if a gun was put to your head? And the person said, renounce Christ or die. What kind of Christians are we? Oh, that couldn't happen in the United States. Ask the school shootings. What was the first? Columbine. Ask the Columbine students that were given that, that challenge. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Instantly in heaven. So don't tell me it can't happen in the United States. That was a demonically influenced, and of course, it's a copycat. How about it? They just found that place, and was it Mexico or New Mexico? The training camps for students and kids to be, become school shooters? Are you kidding me? That's on American soil. How about the church shootings? This is going a little bit different today. How about the church shootings? Oh, that couldn't happen in a Pentecostal church, couldn't it? What's going to stop it from happening here? Well, we've got authority. Do we use it? Do we believe Psalm 91 when we pray it? Are we praying it? Do you think your neighborhood, you don't think there's any demonic activity in your neighborhoods? I'll tell you what, Jehovah's Witnesses have our names in their books. They don't even come to our house anymore. And they go to every house. But they skip the ones who make a defense for the hope that lies within them. When they're confronted and they come, they have a mission. They have an assignment. It amazes me. The cults, the cults are active, actively trying to share their faith and win convert, you know, converts. And what, do, what are God's people doing? Yawning. 
Hallelujah. But not for long. Not for long for those who really want to be disciples. Here's the interesting thing, guys. There is no, therefore, now no condemnation for Christ Jesus. You know, praise God for all the band-aids and all the blessing. But when will the men and women of God rise up? When are the men and women of God going to rise to his occasion? I'm glad. I, I, I am glad for honesty and for truth. I want to be in a congregation where I'm fed reality, fed the meat. I don't want to be compromised. I don't want in a place where it's just feel good, make me feel good and feel blessed when I leave only. I want to be convicted when I hear the word. I want to be enlightened when I hear the word. I want to be inspired by the word. I want to be corrected by the word. And if the word needs to rebuke me, rebuke me for heaven's sake so I can be more like Jesus. So Jesus went on. Next verse, verse 10, please. Joshy. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Now, is this in society? It's general. This can happen in the church. Go ahead, next verse. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Right now, in this nation, there's a new doctrine of demons being taught from pulpits, and it's called Chrislam. In these churches that are embracing and wanting to be politically correct and reach out to the Muslim community, they're putting Bibles and Korans in their church. And you would be surprised if some of the leaders that are going this way. Some of them nationally acclaimed, some of them few globally recognized. What's happening? You can be a true prophet, and if you don't stay on course, you're going to become a false prophet. You can be a true teacher of the scripture, and then if you don't stay on course and account, let's say this, say this word with me, accountable. Accountable to other leaders. Leaders need to be accountable to other leaders. Amen. You know, over the years, look at the atrocities that have happened. Jim Jones, I think it was in California, a congregation of eight, over 800 people, probably 1,000 people, not all of them went to Guyana. But the power of God was moving, true, true miracles that were recorded. But he got off course, and the devil took opportunity because he was not, a, he began to be exalted above his colleagues and peers. He began to think more highly of himself than he ought. Then the spirit, the devil had an opportunity to begin to filter his head with ideas and ideology that he is a little Messiah, that he is Elijah come again. And then he takes over 800 people to a place, Guyana, 
and then has them all killed. I'm thinking, my God, how can people? I remember it happening vividly. They called. <laughs> in 1974, I gave my life to Christ in the Union Apprenticeship. And the conversion, my conversion was so radical because I went from dark to light. And I wasn't doing any of this stuff, the regular that I, you know, everybody else was doing. But when I would go to union meetings, you know what they call me and the, the two of us that were born again? They would say, oh, here come the Kool-Aid kids. Now, you know, you can be proud of that or you can be hurt by it. It was a combination of the two, quite honest. It's like, don't you dare call me a Kool-Aid kid. I'll jack slap you and take a bat to you. You'll find out what this Kool-Aid kid's carrying. I'll equalize the I'll equalize the union hall real quick. Okay, now <laughs> I'll Kool-Aid your head. But it hurt. It was persecution for righteousness snake. We had you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about a whole union hall, union meeting with all the the uncivilized union people. When you take a stand for Christ, you will experience a type of, some type of persecution. False prophets, next verse, verse 12. Let's look at here real quick. We're going to get somewhere today. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Please look at this in your Bible and write something in here. If you write things in your Bible, love here is the, the Greek word agapeo. Inferring God's love of many will grow cold. And because lawlessness is abounding all around us in the, in the earth. Are you with me? We're in this time. This time is now highlighted more than ever in the history of humanity. This is unfolding as you and I sit here. The love of many will grow cold. Jesus said it will grow cold. The love of many. He's given us a prophetic forecast. The agape of many will grow cold amongst my people because the sinner doesn't have agape in him or her. The only way agape gets in us is by being born again. Am I alone in here? Preach back at me. The only way agape gets inside a human spirit is by its spirit, that spirit, that person, that man, that woman, that young person, giving his heart and life to Jesus Christ. But what in God's name can be happening in the earth that would cause the love of agape, the love for God, the love of God to wax cold in our hearts? This is a prophetic forecast of the king of kings. I'm going to tell you something. There's a contending for our faith. You and I must do. Not on Sundays, on every day of the week, bless God. In our homes, bless God. Our homes need to get back in order. And grow in the order of God. You never arrive in God's order. We just keep learning more. The more we learn, the more we realize we didn't know. <laughs> A never unfolding revelation of spirit and truth. Okay, now, 
With this in mind, let's go to Matthew 25, please. Then, Jesus, after speaking this entire chapter of a prophetic forecast, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Then, when? When all these things in chapter 24 are unfolding. When you begin to see this, the, the previous verse, the agape, growing cold in the church. When you begin to see the hearts of people growing cold towards God and towards their family and towards one another. That is a flag, my beloved. That's a red flag. Something's wrong in my life. Something's wrong in my home. Something's wrong in our church. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, if your neighbor's house was on fire and you knew they were inside, what would you do? Just look at it? Would you just call nine? I mean, first thing is you call 911 as a good, good neighbor and good citizen. How many people were run into that house to do something about it? At the risk of getting, you know, inhaling some of the poisonous fumes. At the risk of possibly getting burnt. But getting the living out so they can live. That's what's happening in this service today. There's an evil fire in the earth. And the devil wants to burn your house down. Bless God. Not bless God, he wants to burn your house down. But you and I need to wake up and say, you know what? This is real. The Christian experience isn't just a bless me club. It's not a a religious ritual. It's life. It's living. Hebrews 4.12 said the word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Living. Glory to God. The word of God in you is alive. It's like that little bit of water. Hallelujah. Titus 3, 5. We looked at it. Having our minds washed with the word of God. Washed with the word. So that water in that corn. That water of the Holy Ghost in you is both word and spirit. Hallelujah. And it's not from the outside in we get results. It's from the inside out you and I get the fruit. Hallelujah. Amen. The kingdom, next verse, please. Verse 2, Joshi. Now five of them, these are out of the lips of Jesus. Five of these virgins were wise. Five of these virgins were foolish. Next verse. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Next verse. But the wise virgins took oil in their vessels 
with their lamps. They were preppers. <laughs> Church needs to be preppers. Next verse. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. I mean, life was going on. You know, Ecclesiastes said there's a time for everything under heaven. There's a time to sleep, a time to be awake. Amen? I don't think this is an indictment. It's like, hey, they were, they were sleeping. You have to rest. Amen? Next verse. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Hallelujah. Do we have ears to hear? Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. All ten. And the foolish, the five foolish ones said to the five wise, give us some of your oil or literally extra oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, no. Less, they're not being cruel here and they're not being selfish. There's an assignment. There's a place to go and a person to greet. Say a place to go and a person to meet. And it's Jesus. It's the bridegroom. No, lest there should not be enough for us. And you go, but, but rather, but you go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And there could be a lot of implications in this. Next verse. And while the foolish went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, say ready, went in with him to the wedding. How many of the 10 went into the wedding here? And the door was shut. <laughs> Next verse. Afterwards, the other virgins, the five foolish, came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. God brought Josh. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. I do not know you. Well, then, if you look at the literal translation or transliteration of this from the Greek, I do not know you. What does that mean? That they were sinners? Is the implication that the five foolish were sinners? And he didn't know? Well, he knows everybody, right? Well, what does this I don't know you mean? No intimacy. 
We're not called to be sexual with God. We're called to have intimacy with him, to be intimate and in loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, prioritizing him before all things. That's the role of a, of a Christian, to prioritize your time with Father. Prioritize, enjoy the word, Jesus. And praying in the Holy Ghost stirs up the anointing of, of him, Holy Spirit in us, God the Spirit, who's been given to us to lead us and guide us in all truth. We need to appreciate Holy Spirit more. But verse 13, go back to verse 13. Watch therefore, if you don't know that, I'm sorry, verse 12. Joshy. Surely I say to you, I did do not know you. Then he says, watch, therefore. I would that the congregation was 10,000. Not for finances, not for some big dinosaur building, but to hear these words. I'm nothing in and of myself. But if God's got my heart and he's speaking his message out today, we, we collectively need to hear it, but you personally need to hear it. Because God wants you to be a maturing son and daughter of God. He doesn't want the love of God that's been shed abroad in our heart. See, that's, that's, remember that? For the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. But guess what? You can lose the love of God. You can lose a love for God and grow cold in your relationship with him. I tell you, just talking about it today, scares me that I'm not exclusive if I don't keep my life prioritized and my relationship with him prioritized I can fall into that category ministries aren't exclusive they're Christians they need to live the life as well amen there's no, no phone booths no capes but there's disciples, people that have a resolve, a Joshua 24, 15D resolve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord no matter what. I'm not going to change colors. I'm not going to be a chameleon. I'm not going to be a chameleon in the kingdom. I want to, with God's grace and God's help, I want to be like my master, Jesus. Jesus is loving. He didn't compromise. And most of his anger on this earth was directed against demons and against religious leaders. It wasn't against sheep. Shepherds shouldn't browbeat sheep. My God, you, you know, it's going to affect their wool production. <laughs> this is proof of what stress can do. Huh? What are sheep, what, you know... She produced things for the shepherd. 
Otherwise, they don't need a sheepfold. Now, I'm not comparing you to that. Yes, if we just want you sheep to get fleeced. <laughs> no, it's part, it's part of the cycle of life for a sheep. It's part of the way God provides. Amen? But this is amazing to me. And the thinker of God is, on, is trying to communicate with you and I. What are we hearing? How are we hearing? And why are we hearing it? It's because of the hour we're in, beloved. Again, I can't preach this as doctrine, but my best read on what is unfolded in the signs of the time. That is one thing I do pray for everyone in here, for myself and every, everybody. The Father, you would, by your grace, cause us to be sons and daughters of Issachar. Men and women who know the signs of the time. I pray that. So that we'll be sober. So that we will fall into this category. So nobody can force you or me to be a wise virgin. We have to choose it. But upon that choice, there's work to be done. There's work involved. Contending for the faith. Living the life. Come on, guys. Amen. 1948. Israel's restored to the nation as a nation. 1948. Right? <clears throat> Go to Matthew 24 with me real quick. I believe it's in 24. I mean, yes. Matthew 24, verse 32, Joshua, please, guys, stay with me for a few more minutes. I hope that you're being edified by this. <laughs> the word says, you know, Paul said, said to Timothy that the word has four uh, Four results when it's preached or, or taught in, in the way we hear it. All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. We need all four of those guys. Two of them aren't that pleasant on the flesh. The correction and rebuke. Amen. But it's for our good. Amen. When you t if your child was going towards the stove that was lit... You corrected them, I hope. Amen? If they did something they weren't supposed to do, you rebuked them. And explained to them why. And the second time, it was the switch. Well, apparently, you're a little stubborn here. <laughs> Matthew 24, verse 32, Joshua. Jesus said, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away. Till all these things take place, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. 
I'm sorry, Josh, I, I need you to be on the flow there. But go to Joshua. I'll leave it at verse 32. Now, this is the parable from the fig tree. Now, Israel is known as the fig tree. You all with me? When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. When Israel was restored as a nation, the tree began to put forth its leaves. Jesus said, go to the next verse, buddy. When you see all these things happening, when Israel's restored into its place, fulfilling prophetic scripture, know that it is near at the door of what? The coming of the Son of Man. Next verse. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, 1948, let's mark 1948. Let's say those born in 1948, this generation, those who are born in 1948, for example, I'm just submitting this to you for a wake up call. They will by no means pass away till all these things take place. You with me? What's up? Listen, a lot of the eschatologists are saying, we're here. Yeah, we're here on the threshold of his coming. Right? You with me? This generation will by no means pass away. Now go to Psalms. Open your, turn your Bibles, please. Go to Psalms and look at this. I was so blessed recently that I heard somebody referring to this again. You've heard me say it a number of times. Go to Psalm 90, starting with verse 10. Psalm 90, verse 10, Joshua. Say, I love the word. I love love truth. Say, let's all say this. Holy Spirit, please teach us and make us sober. Verse 10 of Psalm 90. Moses, not from his head, but inspired by the Spirit of God, pens this down. By the way, this man penned down the first five books of the Bible by inspiration. Moses penned down the book of Genesis. Come on. I think the guy had a relationship with God. I mean, he was in tune. Say in tune. He made mistakes, but he was in tune. So he says this, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So here's my spin on this verse. All right. I don't want to get in with the bunch and say the days of man are 120. Uh, if you, that's you, God bless you. I don't know one. I know only heard of a couple people that have crossed the, the century limit. 
People stood, I'm going to live to 120. Moses was 120. And the days of man in Genesis 6 were 120. Guess what? It took 120 years to build the ark. By revelation and by the knowledge they had. 120 years. The days of man. 120 years down the road. The flood comes. Going to cleanse the earth. Moses. 120 years. Well, if Moses lived 120 years, I claim 120 years. Wait a minute. Put the verse back up. Put the verse up. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80. Whoopsie daisy. Whoopsie daisy. Who's confused here? Would the real Moses please stand up? Jesus, what's going on here? Well, no wonder people say the Bible contradicts itself. No, the Bible never contradicts itself. Days of man are 70 years. Bless God, live it good and enjoy it. Plan for it. Don't plan to die. Plan to live. Hallelujah. But be ready for it. It don't matter. It's a, it's, we change locations. Amen. We're translocated. The shell finds off and boom, we're in the presence of God. Yet, if by reason of strength they're given a allotted 10 more years, 80. Amen. But with some sorrow. What's the sorrow? God doesn't want you and I to, to suffer unnecessarily. That's not the sorrow. The sorrow is, I think, I, what I believe with all my heart. It's seeing the saints come and go with loved ones come and go. You live another 10 years past 70, it's like now we're in, a, in an hour where we're seeing friends and family members that are gone home to be with Jesus. We're in a season. Why? Because of our age. Amen. You know, a lot of the folks we grew up with, there's a, 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 the man that was a, the best man in our wedding just went home to be with the Lord Friday a week ago, August 10th. Heart, done. He was a Christian. Thank God for that. In June, I went up to see my brother in Warminster, Pennsylvania. And I always drive across Byberry Road, those of you who might be familiar, Montgomery and Bucks County, because I grew up on Byberry Road in Hapro, and I, I want to go past the old homestead. Check it out, yeah. But I'm going up there, and my friend that was met in our wedding, he lives on Byberry and I'm going up the road, and I feel directed. I got to see if he's home. Now it's a work day. I pull in. He's sitting in the garage in a reclining chair, just staring into space. Hey, Rob. You know, we just got to talking. And we were discussing. He was sharing some things with me, and he said this to me. He said, Ray, I'm tired. I don't know if I'll be here next year. That's what he said. I'm thinking, oh, my God. Out of the abundance of the heart, mouth speaks. Now, I can say, well, brother, change your confession. It's, it's like, what is going on in your life that you're at this place of and resolve? I expected to see him again. I This is in June, and I spent some quality time with him, and I said, you know, Rob, your family needs you. Your, your grandies need you. But he had been through so many different things physically, he was tired. 
little did I know or expect, he went home. 65 or 67, where I was. That's young. Amen? We don't always know all the whys and everything, but now, here again, is a family that are Christian and devastated at the same time. You know what I mean? They knew he had issues, but nobody expects somebody to slip off in the glory. Nobody wants to be here behind that one. You know, Carol and I have always said, well, let's go rapture airlines. Let's go together. Yeah. <laughs> but we're preparing that one or the other could go. That's called wisdom. That's, not, that's called not leaving people holding the bag and not knowing what ends up and what ends down. What is the house in order? Everybody in here needs an exit plan. You should have an exit plan, a will. Hallelujah. Your intentions. I'm going to start preparing for my memorial service. I'm going to do a DVD for my memorial service. I'm going to preach my own eulogy. I am serious as a heartbeat. I'm going to get this ready, and I'm going to let my family have it. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Said, <So>, listen, <laughs> I, might be not, I might be in the urn or in the picture, but I'm not here. I'm in heaven. But I'm going to tell you right now, I got a message for you. Glory to God. If you're seeing this video, I went home to be with Jesus, but I got news for you. <laughs> That's what I want to do. But leave the verse up there, Josh. 80 if the Lord gives strength. Well, how do we reconcile over 80? Well, let's look at this. The days of our lives are 70 years, but if by reason of strength they're 80, yet their boast is only in labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Well, look at the next psalm, Psalm 91. The one that we should be committing to memory, to heart, and praying on a daily basis. We come down to verse 14, and you see the blessing of God on those who are standing on this promise and these promises. Because, A, verse 14 of Psalm 91, please, Joshi. Psalm 91, verse 14. Thank you, bud. So God is saying this. Because he, in this instance, David, but I pray it this way, be, Father, as a patriarch, praying over for my family and for generations, downline, upline, and across lines, staying in faith for salvation, for household salvation. But as a patriarch, I have authority and responsibility to pray it, to decree it. I pray it over our family, and I pray it over this family. Because we... Or the Lord says this, because you have set your love upon me. That's the best way to say it. Because you have set your love upon me, I will deliver you. Hup! Because you set your love upon me. Because you set your love upon me. Because you set on purpose. You determine to make a decision to put me first and make me first in your life. Because you seek me diligently. Ha ha. She came back. You seek me diligently and you'll find me. 
Hallelujah. And this is the blessing I have for you, my beloved. If, say if. Longest word, largest word in the dictionary. If. Because you have set your love upon me, I will deliver you. Period. I will set you on high. Bless God. Because you have known my name, I'm going to set you on high. Hallelujah. Praise God. Next verse. When you call upon me, I will answer. This ain't a crap shoot. Don't roll the dice. Don't just have earthly hope in this. I will answer you if you're in that secret place. That's a whole chapter about being in the secret place, being in his presence. Matthew, Matthew chapter five. When you go to pray, don't be like the Pharisees, plastic and putting on a long face. No, go in your closet and seek me, bless God. And I will meet you there. Where's your closet? Have a closet. Mine's in a reclining chair. Bless God, it's a good closet. My coffee's right next to me. My Bible, glory to God. I have reflections on on Daystar, all this beautiful scenery with Holy Ghost music. And I have my fellowship. Hallelujah, lazy thing in a little recliner. Well, once in a while I'll get up, but I'm fellowshipping. If God's on his throne, why, I can't, why can't I be on mine? And we're communicating. King of kings. Hey, my holy father, king of kings. Glory to God, I'm a king. You're a king, but you're the capital K, and I'm a little K. But I'm good with this, Father. Amen. He shall call upon me and I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. Guess what? Trouble happens. Trouble happens in our lives. I'll be with you in the midst of that trouble. Bless God, you're not alone. I will deliver you. And I, God Almighty, will honor you. Honor who? What? Honor our position as sons and daughters because we're putting him first in all we say and do. Hallelujah. Glory. I'll deliver you and honor you. Next verse. Oh, here we go. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Say long life. What's long life? Anything over 80 is a perk. Anything over 80 is longer life. Come on. Hallelujah. What's long life? Anything over 80, bless God. I love my brother Dennis. Hallelujah. He said, you know, you're only so many days off. When you turn 70, Ray, you're going into your eighth decade. What? He said, when you turn 70. Guess what? You just entered into your eighth decade. I don't want to hear that. My God. Man, you're really making me old. <laughs> well, I forget where I was going with this. No, I know exactly where I was going. Yeah. Well, it doesn't contradict itself, yeah. Coming back with what he said. That when the fig tree blooms. Now, quick math. Say math. Listen, I, I don't make fun of people claim wanting not to be 120. But I, I want to live to exactly God wants me to, until he wants me to go home. No matter to me. It don't matter to me. 
What matters is what I leave behind. It matters who I leave behind and what I leave behind. That's what matters. Is there fruit from my life? Amen? Biologically and spiritually, is there fruit from my life? Amen? Fruit Loops? <laughs> All right. Jesus said, the generation that sees the fig tree bloom, this generation shall not pass away till all these things come to pass. So let's do some quick math with Moses. Moses. Three score and ten. Seventy. Do the math. 1948. Add 70 years to it. What year? 2018. Say 2018. 2018. Are you prophesying? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No man knows the day or the hour. I ain't that dumb. Are you flirting with this? Mm-hmm. I'm flirting with this possibility. Because you know what? If it does happen in 2018, my life needs to be pleasing to him in all respects. I need to be a wise virgin now. Today, I need to be a wise virgin on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, amen? It, it, and it, you don't get the cape because God doesn't have robots. You and I have to make viable choices every day to make him Lord. He's our Savior. But to make him Lord of our lives daily is, takes it to a higher level of commitment. You know, I'm married to Carol. I'm her husband. That don't make me a husband. I have to choose to be a husband to her on a daily basis. And then after my choice, I have to act like a, a good husband to her. Well, that was a good time for girls to say, yeah, amen. It's a good time for you guys to say, amen. Come on, man. Man up. Praise God. I'm glad I live with a woman, she says at times, if, if I'm slacking. Hey, Ray, man up. Well, who does she think she is? She should be submitted to me as a woman. No, she's my co-laborer. She's my partner, bless God. If I, need to, if I need to snap to it, tell me for goodness sake. Don't let me slip. Don't let me slack. Don't let me yawn. And believe me. My bride. <laughs> mm -mm. If there's any yawn in my. In my and, and listen. Yawn sneak in. <laughs> but you know what? Thank God for a godly woman. Thank God for a Holy Ghost woman. Thank God for a prophet. Man, I, woman, wife, mother, and minister. Glory. So three score and ten. Well, and ten. If 1948 is, the, is a defining moment in the words of Jesus and in our history, that gets us to 2028. I'm just spitballing. I'm not preaching this as doctrine, but out of all the stuff I've been under for 44 years in Christendom, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all the different stuff, hey, here's the words of the master. Right? Here's the words of a man that was inspired to write the first five books of the Bible. And he said, the days of man are three score and ten plus ten if the Lord gives strength with sorrow and labor. 
God also says anything over 80 is a perk, long life. So it really don't matter when we leave this vessel. It's an earth suit. I got to travel around this thing. I got to live in this body to be able to habitate and to rule and reign on the earth. When my body, when my spirit slips out of this thing, my spirit's up and running. It's eternal. It's alive forever. Hallelujah. It's going to the next phase of tutorage. Glory to God. You know, I, we're convinced that that's why Joni went home to be with the Lord. Joni was reaching for things in the spirit that we're, whoa. We just had that inkling like she's reaching way above the earth here for things she's desiring to experience. And I, listen, your body, something has to happen for us to get out of our bodies. Amen. When they don't have any reason, they say your heart failed. And they can't prove it, your heart failed. They have to have something on a death certificate. If there's not a legitimate reason, your heart failed. <laughs> By default. Amen. Well, truly it did. It shut down. So, what if it is 2018? How are you going to live? What choices? What decisions are you going to make today? What if it's 2018? What if it's 2018, August 20th? What if it's tomorrow? That Jesus calls his church, comes for his bride. Listen, a lot of folks, it's not a popular message. Well, can a Christian, I thought if you're saved, you go to heaven. You will, but not necessarily in the order you think. The foolish virgins who couldn't go in because they were not intimate with him. And they played church rather than being the church. Are you with me? They become the tribulation saints. So they have to go into tribulation period with the knowledge that they had professed Christ but didn't live for him. And now in order to be in heaven, they have to lose their heads and die. Yeah, I'm just a spin. Food for thought. I'll keep my head, thank you. Boy, it's quiet in this non-denominational church. We're in, we're in a very sobering hour. But you know what? Even with that occurring, Jesus, we, we love to quote the words that Mordecai said to Esther, don't we? But it's true for you and I. For such a time as this, you and I were born to be here. In New Jersey at this time. <sighs> Carol said it last week. God loves New Jersey. And think about it. If it's the most densely populated state with the least amount of Christians percentage, who's going to reach them? The lost don't go to Daystar. They don't turn on CBN unless the Holy Ghost arrests them. They're watching all the worldly stuff because they're of the world. So who is God's light method? You and I. We sang it, didn't we? Lord, send me to the nations. Send me 
to my neighbors. Say showtime. Do you want your family to burn forever? What are you going to do about it? How often do you pray for your family tree? How often do you pray for your family? Well, I don't want them to go to hell. But now that you raise that question once in a while, why not daily? How come you're not praying for your family daily? Maybe you don't know what to pray or how to pray. Guess what? Ask, you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. And you'll have greater light on how to see your family born again and saved. You can stay ignorant. But God said in his word, he, he held nothing back from us. My people perish. My people perish. My people perish. For a lack of knowledge. Because they've chosen to stay ignorant rather than getting knowledge to live right. My people. I'm trying to be like God. My people. Think about it. How does that break the father's heart? He has so much for you and I. Hallelujah. But it all, the much only comes through knowledge and faith and action. Don't give up. Don't give up on well-doing. In due season, you'll reap. Don't give up on living the Christian life. Look up for your redemption draws nigh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll close with this. Carol and I were just talking about this because there's a lot of different things that are being regarding the coming of Christ and all this. <laughs> but Carol had a dream, a living dream. And in this dream, this is going, I, I don't remember the time frame. It could be 10, 15 years ago. She has this dream. And in the dream, in the city of Philadelphia, there, she had three family members that two lived next door to each other and one lived exactly across the street. And in the dream, she's on this street where three different of her siblings are living. And in the dream, all of a sudden, the clouds or the sky is filled with dark, rolling clouds. And she looked up and she could see Jesus, just like a, a speck, but she knew it was Jesus coming. And she said, please, Lord, not yet. My family isn't saved. And she turned to her family in this dream and said, Jesus is coming. Please accept him as your savior. And next thing she knew was <laughs> she sat, she rose up in the bed, feeling the G force of being caught up into the air. She come up out of her bed like this. <laughs> I woke up. I'm not trying to be funny here. It was done, and she saw people all over the earth going up to be with Jesus in the dream. I'm thinking, where was I? 
front row. <laughs> I hope I was one of them ones going up. <laughs> uh, God's very personal. She has authority to pray for her siblings. Amen? I don't know. I'm done. Let's stand and let's just pray. I know the gifts of the Spirit are wonderful. If you need healing your body, we'll be glad to pray for you afterwards. But I, I, I just, wasn't the Lord's presence just rich this morning? He's wooing us in, guys. And I want you all to really work your faith this way, that when we assemble, that exactly what Father wants done would be done. What if, what if the Spirit of God wanted us to praise and worship the entire time we're together? Would we be flexible, teachable, compliant? He wants to do great and mighty things. And he wants to do it through you, in, in all of us, and through all of us. Boy, I tell you, I hope that resonates on the inside of you. And I was very blessed last week with so many that came dressed as ambassadors and remembered. But come every week as an ambassador in your heart. Come every week ready to give the gift of God in you. Prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. There'll be order. Don't be afraid. But step out in faith. Because God wants to work miracles in here, and he could use the most unlikely person that we would think to be that miracle. But, Father, as we just celebrate our time together, and, Lord, uh, you've given, you put this in my spirit, that each time we gather, it truly is a sacred assembly because of you, because, Holy Spirit, you love us so much. Whew. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Holy Spirit, guide us and empower us to be active doers of your word, not hearers only deceived in ourselves. Thank you for that we are anointed and appointed to bring forth fruit and will not let go of it, Jesus. Thank you that every life in here is fruitful, multiplying, replenishing, subduing, and having dominion in the measure you've allotted and entrusted to each of us, that there's no man left behind. In Jesus' precious name, bless the steps of all those righteous ones in here. For your word says the steps of the righteous are ordered of God. And Lord, in your ordering of our steps, that every place our foot trods is a mission field and an opportunity to share the love of God. 
Thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen? Praise God. Let's give Jesus praise, shall we?